Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, hey, I'm Jimmy Bullard, and this is me old Mac of Fenners. We're back together, son. How are you? Hi, Bully. Great to be back working with you. What are we doing here, though? We're starting a football club in podcast form. The only thing we know, it's called FC Bullard. After that, it's all up for grabs. So, we haven't got any players, we haven't got a kit, we haven't got a club badge, we haven't got a stadium. Correct. FC Bullard. Welcome to the club. This is a crowd podcast. This podcast is sponsored by Jonathan. He's not a Pratt. Pratt. <laughs> to be more like... <laughs> Got him. To be more like Jonathan, go to patreon.com, search for Joe Marler Show, and become an official sponsor today. You're listening to The Marler Show It isn't on the radio It's a podcast, fool You listen anywhere you go The Joe Marler Show Hello, guten tag, auf Wiedersehen Buongiorno, buongiorno uh, Ciao, ciao to our show Ciao. No, that's bye to our show. No. <laughs> Hello and welcome to our show. I'm Joe Marler and this is Thomas. Is it Thomas? To my mum it is. If I've, particularly if I've done something wrong. Thomas! Oh, she's ever a fear. Thomas! Thomas she's Fordyce! Not, she's not quite as gruff as you, but it's... Thomas! That's, that's it. Thomas! You little fucking shit, get down here now! Have you heard her? Yeah! <laughs> Not going to say that mum joke. Oh, Stay away from mum jokes because, <laughs> Joe, I've noticed something which is either a mistake or it's unbelievable, right? Go on, what you notice? So, obviously, we're in the middle of the Awesome Internationals. The South African coach is... Jacques Nienumber. And who is the director of rugby who many people think is... Razzi Erasmus. Right. Have you f- recently seen Razzi Erasmus's Twitter feed? His actual Twitter feed? The blue ticked one. 
not recently, no. Although right. there was that big hoo-ha in the summer, weren't there, about him and that... Yeah, Yako Johan, Johan. Which is his middle name. Um, so if I were to say to you that Rezi Erasmus is following only two people, one of them is the aforementioned Yako Johan... Himself. Who, which is probably himself, his alter ego, where he can, anyway, say things that he can't say as Razi Erasmus. Who's the other person he's following? Have a look. Give me a second. Why didn't you do this as prep? Now it comes across as... Uh, Unprofessional, really, actually. Razzy. Just don't, I don't know if you're listening to this, you can probably have a little look too. Just look on your Twitter for Razzy Erasmus. Razzy Cole, there will be news on Razzy Cole later. He's got 54.3 thousand followers, but it's a blue tick which signs that apparently it is him. It does sign that, yeah. Even does sign that, <laughs> which is a sign for. <laughs> <laughs> and he is following. Ridiculous. Yeah. You set this up, have you? Who's he following? Two people. Have you set this up? Nope. Look me in the eyeballs. I'm looking right into your eyeballs. Look, look me in the eyeballs. Right, you're being double eyeballed here. <laughs> who is he? Who is the other person that Rezi Erasmus? Apart from himself, who is he following? At Joe Marla. That's me. The only two people in the whole world that Razi Erasmus is currently following on Twitter are himself, Asterix probably. And you, Joe Marler. This is ludicrous. What's happened here? Come on. Well, I've no idea, mate. I've never met the bloke. Why is he following you? I've then? never, I've never met the bloke. Talk me through that. What's going on? Of all you... the people in the world, of all the rugby players in the world, he's not following any of his own team. This can't be him. He's literally not following the players who he won the last World Cup with in the final that we don't talk about anymore. He's only. He's not following. Um, any All Blacks? He's not following any former players, pundits, journalists, people he might have come up against in the Lions series, which was relatively controversial. He's following you. My theory about this, I've got two theories, is that you lot at Crowd have somehow <laughs> fucking set it up and he's probably a silent partner in Crowd <laughs> or something. So that's one theory. Mm. And my other theory is... Do you remember that other famous podcast you do? Probably yes. the biggest one you've ever done mm -hmm. um, for the Beeb. Yeah, with that big tall fellow that does that stupid dance. Mm -hmm. I won an award on that, didn't I? You did, yeah. What did I win an award for? Shit House of the Year. So it was a shyster award mm. for shithousery in another sport. I'm very good at shithousery, aren't I, in, in this rugby union sport? Yes, you are. Do you know who, if there was a team of <laughs> shithouseries, I would be the captain of the shithousery 15. Do you know who the head coach and director of rugby yeah. and water boy of this <laughs> shithousery team would be? Yes, I do. Name him. <gasps> Rezzy Erasmus. Exactly. Oh! And that is the only other theory I can think of, that he actually wants to get together with me for this new World 12s tournament. And we form the shithousery team <laughs> of the world. The shithouses. The shithouses. Yes. No, we call it no because we can't. It's got to be good for the kids yeah. and that because we're trying to grow the game. We'll be called the bricks. Yeah. Because. I know. Go on. Shithouses, mate. Brick shithouse. Brick shithouse. Yeah. See, thank you for keeping Glad we up did with that explanation. Me. Thank <laughs> you. Um, that's fucking mental. That's mental. It's it can't mental. be true. Can you message him and when you. <laughs> When you message him, can you see if he wants to come on the pod? Because <laughs> he'll get the message, because the only other Shall bloke he's following is himself. Yeah. Uh, how, how, how's it, Rezzy? 
just uh, ah, come on, fuck off. We've got our very own. We don't need him. We don't need him. If he was to come on, fine. But we don't need him because we've got our very own Razzy. We've got Razzy Cole. You know, he's back. He's back, baby. Razzy Cole is very much back. Um, we are going to be doing a rugby special with the lovely Dan Cole at the end of November to review all the action that we are currently enjoying in the Autumn Internationals. He has also, Joe, taken your place on Documentary Club, which is one of the many things that our Patreon subscribers go to patreon.com, search for Joe Monisher, uh, currently enjoy. How did so that go? It was really enjoyable. And the preparation was superior to yours, if I'm honest. Don't start. Don't start trying to break this relationship down. I don't. <laughs> this trifecta needs to unite once again for the rugby specials. That's what we'll do. We'll unite and we will bring the most anticipated and knowledgeable and expert rugby analysis every rugby campaign. Hash, uh, not hashtag asterisk. Not that's not I can't promise or every time but maybe every time on Asterix I don't know what's going on with the Asterix and Obelix um, in fact you could be Asterix and Coley could be Obelix that's a good fit and uh, we, we we need to unite this tripod and stay strong I don't want there any bickering between you and Coley I don't want there any bickering between me and you no bickering between me and Coley like let's just be friendly I accept everything that you've said above um, so it will be Razzie Cole at the end of the autumn and hopefully, because you're going to drop him a message, it'll be Razzie Erasmus very soon. In the meantime, should we get our guest today on? Fucking hell, yeah. I still can't. Razzie Erasmus. Mental. Yeah, get a guest on. Come on. Hello, I'm Katie Puckrick. Haven't I seen you on Wikipedia? Because I'm there every day. I've got a new podcast called .com, the documentary series about the people of the internet. And it starts with that one site we all use, Wikipedia. Yeah, sure, it's just a little website. Who are these people? But it's not. The faces behind the screen, the brains behind the words. If you'd said to me, it will all be free. This is a hidden world. A place where people can come together and talk about the things that are important to them. And it's fascinating. We've just found a way in the Wiki universe to do that. I mean, how could Wikipedia not be corrupt at this point? Search for .com and subscribe now. How? Shrink the Box is back for a brand new season. This is the podcast where we put our favorite fictional TV characters into therapy. Join me, Ben Bailey-Smith, and our brand new psychotherapist, Namone Metaxas. Hi, Ben. Yes, this season we're going to be putting the likes of Tommy from Peaky Blinders, Cersei from Game of Thrones on the couch to learn why their behavior creates so much drama. So make sure you press the follow button to get new episodes as soon as they land on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, or wherever you get your podcasts. Shrink the Box is a Sony Music Entertainment original podcast. It is that time in the pod where we thank our lovely patrons who are, of course, the official sponsors of the Joe Marler Show. B.E.G. It's Becky Eaton Garrett. Stuart Dribble Kibble. Air Jordan Blaylock. Philip Edward Scissor Hans Zimmer. Sam the Man Williams. 
Mary had a little lamb. She thought it rather silly. She threw it up into the air and caught it by its. Dave Wiley and Richard Kellaway. To be more like Becky, Stuart, Jordan, Philip, Mary, Sam, Dave, and Richard, go to patreon.com, search for Joe Marler Show, and grow the show. Grow the show. Our guest today is a journalist and an author, and his name is Tim Marshall. He's the author of the bestseller Prisoners of Geography and his new book, The Power of Geography. You've uh, you've also made a children's version, haven't you? I've done all, all sorts of things. And can I say at this point, normally I'm supposed to say, oh, thank you very much for having me. But, uh, you know... You're I, not grateful. Well, no, I've had, <laughs> I am extraordinarily. But, but, but I've had the preamble and I realise that this is not one of those podcasts that you say, well, thank you very much for having me. No. We can definitely podcasts. make it that. Can we? Yeah, ready? <laughs> <laughs> No, 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 I, I am very... So, author t- <laughs> yeah, I'm, very, I'm a very, very serious person. You're, you're very serious podcasters. At this point, normally you sort of go delving into these subjects. It's just that I have spent ten minutes with you before the microphones were switched on, and so I, I, have actually, I am actually aware of what, you you're about, are, what you're about to do to me. You are <laughs> ruining the illusion of... What do we call this? Surprise. Podcast. The podcast. The podcasting. So, don't... Welcome, Tim. <laughs> thank you, thank you, and thank, thank you for having me, uh, Tim. Before we start, um, geography hasn't always been Joe's strongest subject on this podcast. There was um, a point where we were discussing the British and Irish Lions this summer, and Joe discovered that South Africa were in the Southern Hemisphere. Um, Did I? Yeah. Or you disputed it? I'm still disputing it. Why? Why are they in the Southern Hemisphere? Perhaps I might throw this one to our geography expert, Tim. Well. There's a bit of a philosophical and geographic point to that because oh. if you have a globe, tell me what is in the middle. I don't. I don't mean it's know, empty. They're usually yeah, hollow. But where is the centre of a globe on the outside of it? There isn't one. So the whole concept of the southern hemisphere, northern hemisphere, left, right, up, and down is actually huh. constructed by us. Nevertheless, we haven't got. That's after four or five drinks. You might get into that because it's not worth talking about because we do need to construct. That's left and that's right, and that's up and that's down, and that's the northern and that's the southern, because otherwise we'd be completely lost. So am I right? (laughs) (laughs) No one knows. Are you sure you don't want to start again? (laughs) We often do. So is South Africa in the southern hemisphere? Yes. According to who who came up with that? exactly. Who came up with the rules of this is north and this is south? Well, God. Oh, God, no. Because he put the north star. But even, you see, it's just a construct, isn't it? Because... What there is no north and south in infinity, is there? Uh, it's, oh it's, my it's a, it's a construct. sweet baby! Fuck. I know, I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, but there isn't. There is no. Up We're and down. five minutes in, and I can't. My head hurts. What do you mean in the affinity of? Right. Look, if you believe in, can we talk about geopolitics now? If you believe that there is such a thing as infinity, which I know makes our brains melt, but allegedly there is. It just goes on forever. You can't tell me that that is up and that's down and that's left, that's right, that's north, that's south. This is just something we have constructed in order to, to, to tell somebody, when you get to the end of the street, turn left. Because otherwise, or, or you on the rugby field, go up there. Yeah. But in reality, these things don't really exist. I can't believe we're, we're five minutes in and we've already had, as we've already ruined the illusion, ten minutes preamble. 
I still haven't seen yet, and I was expecting it sooner. That's oh, it's coming. Oh, I can see it now. Yeah, that it smug little look <laughs> on your face about uh, usually somewhere in Essex as well. Mm. Have you have you asked him is where he's from? And we, we, yeah, we've, the, well, we've had the Leeds United chat. So where are you from? You're from Leeds. Um, at this point, you know what we say: Yorkshire, Yorkshire, Yorkshire. Skipton. No Leeds. Okay. In Skipton, in Leeds. No. No. Near Leeds. Yeah. Well, again, that's you know that that's all relative, isn't it? In the scheme of infinity. Why geography? Why 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 did you? Okay. Was it because of your football no, upbringing? Where you, and not. you went fucking now. I love finding out all these different places. Well, yeah, that there is a bit of that. But no, I'd, I'd always wanted to be a journalist. Uh, it wasn't going to happen. Left school at sixteen. Paint and decorator. If you ever go past Sandbach Service Station. Yeah, familiar with that. Yeah. Yeah, the lose. That was probably me. Um, probably it? haven't been done since. But I, I de- painted and decorated yeah. the service station at Sandbach when it was being built um, a long time ago. Um, but it wasn't going to happen anyway. Long story short, got into journalism in my 20s, managed to become a foreign correspondent, and that's when things kicked in. I was in Bosnia, covering the war there, and um, this nasty bloke with a beard very similar to yours um, <laughs> set fire to a village. Which I don't know if you've ever done that. Just to clarify, I've never said only my parents' it wasn't bedroom. You. Hamlet, and a Hamlet. Well, I loved that fi- that yeah. film. Play, play. What was it a play? Anyway, this village <laughs> is on fire, and I asked, what, "I said, what did you do that for?" And he explained that, that, that there is a rationale to setting fire to a village, and it's based on geography because they need the village, they need the valley, that leads to a road, all that sort of thing. And I thought, yeah, that makes sense. And I started to inject. Um, geography more and more into the reporting that I did. Not, you know, I didn't start every report. Today, there was a river, because you have to talk like that on the <laughs> television news, as you know. But I, So I just used to, just to sneak in geographic references, and it just grew and grew, and I, it, it became more and more apparent that it was working. I'll give you an example. I was uh, covering the Syrian war, and a lot of people were saying, oh, it's all over for Assad, he's lost 50% of the country. And I'd look at a map and I'd think, no, he's lost 50% of the sand. Hmm. And then you think, there's one motorway in this country, it's the spine of the country, those are all the big urban areas. Consequently, he actually still controls 90% of the population. He's not losing. So, you know, when you have that perspective, it just gives you a better understanding of um, what you think's going on. So that's how, that's why. So geography's not just about wow, that was really fucking hell. It's not soil samples. That little, which is what it, I was taught. Geography's not just about oh, the capital of Belgium is Brussels. That's, that's right, by the way. Fucking <laughs> hell! Yes. I deliberately hesitated because yes. I knew you would doubt yourself. It was. Yeah, yeah, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking yeah. get it. Do you like the capital? Letter. Are you good um, on capitals? Yeah, I'm good on capitals. Okay, right, capital of Australia. Canberra. Oh, okay. yeah. No, forget it. Move on. Come on. Uh, no, hit me again. Wrong. Come on. I want to be smug South like you Africa. for the day. Oh, that's the. Um, that's. It's. Western province. No. There's three capitals. Which capital do you want? Do you want the. The money. Okay. You, you know South Africa. All right. Uh, uh, Burkina Faso. <sighs> Not allowed to make countries up. <laughs> Ugadugu. I love that name. Ugadugu. Real place. Yeah, yeah. Ugadugu. Both of them. Ugadugu. What's the capital of Belize? Belize City. No. What is it? Belmapan. Yeah, I knew that. Yes, we fucking got him. <laughs> we fucking got him. Okay, Tom, I'm going to try and one nil up you, seeing as right. you've both dominated the fuck out of me with all your <laughs> mind-blowing shit. 
What is the capital of the Côte d'Ivoire? Of the Ivory Coast. I've got a mate from Côte d'Ivoire and I ought to know this. It's one I... of my favourite words so far. Tell me, Joe. <laughs> Yamasukro. Yamasukro. Oh, I didn't know Yamas- Yamusuk- Ma- Right, Joe, look up the capital of Madagascar and then just say it to me without trying to... Like, don't read it and then try. Just say it as you see it. Antananavaravi. Antananavaravi. Antananarivo. Antananarivo. It sounds like you're speaking to me in a different language. Where were we? Geography... It used to be this dull, dull subject, although I'm a great believer that you do need to know the capital city is X, the longest river is Y, this is the shape of it, to give you your framework. But nowadays when it's taught, they tell you these are the different ethnic groups, um, this is the size of the population, they've got this amount of coal or they've got this amount of oil, they've got this amount of motorways and trains to move stuff about, and it actually becomes you know, useful as opposed to pH soil samples no so that's why when i was doing a little bit of research before meeting you that's why i stumble across history of geography human geography physical geography integrated geography and applied geography and i was like social geography economic geography there's more oh yeah and then the soil samples I miss <laughs> fucking soil samples i'm just and it's coloring in maps as well so it's usually blue for rivers green for land you're no, but wanker. when you some of those things that you know the, the people are now putting them together, and um, it just it just makes it applicable. Whether you're studying history or economics or going on holiday, just suddenly, oh, this is actually useful stuff that can put together, and, and I know where I am. Here's one for you then, Tim. Um, in the same way as that, some history books have become very popular where they do the sliding doors thing and they say, what would have happened if mm. Hitler's paintings had been yeah, really yeah. good and he ended up being a painter? I'm going to give you a similar <laughs> one. If Great Britain had been joined to France by a land bridge, how different would uh, well, this former island nation be? Well, for example, the Norman conquests. But of course, if, they, if there hadn't been that water, which to this day gives the British uh, a different sense of themselves, for better or worse, and I'm not making, let's not talk about Brexit, but I do think it, it played a psychological impact on that vote. Therefore, there wouldn't have been that different, as much difference between the two peoples, and it's more likely that the, the, the Normans, who were trying to incorporate it all as well, it was one kingdom, but separated by a bit of water, they might have pulled that off. So that's, that's one thing you could say. Another one is um, it's pretty unlikely, if you want to fast-forward all the way to 1941, that Hitler would not have called off um, operation sea lion, sea lion. And, and it's pretty unlikely that the british defenses would have been able to hold them with, with a blitzkrieg land war it what put him off was pretty much that stretch of water so those are two examples and, and there's probably a lot more down the centuries they're, they're fun but you know they are what ifs of history see joe that will make sense to you because you swim in the english channel all year round you know how cold it is mm. that is a proper barrier isn't it yeah, but I don't, I'm not trying to go to France. It's not a barrier to me, is it? What do you mean? Like, is is there's nothing stopping me apart from the occasional sea lion, mm. or is it a seal? I think it's a seal. From the videos you show me, it's it was a seal, a seal wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Um, are you a geography expert no. or a history expert? Neither. But no, seriously. How ne- do you neither. know so much historical stuff? I'm a nerd. Okay, so is there a correlation between geography and history? I would argue very strongly. At this point. 
um, philosophers and, and many other people say, oh, you're a determinist. Uh, but I'm not. Because there are people that will say geography determines everything. I don't agree. I think it, but, but what I do think and argue strongly is that it's the one of the determining factors that's ignored and overlooked. So, of course, it matters what leader you have because he or she makes X decision and things flow from that. Great ideas that are injected into cultures make a big populations, climate. There's all sorts of stuff. But I do start with geography. A river flows in one direction. Consequently, from that flows trade. I've got things here, my crops. I stick them on that boat and I send them down 100 miles. If I've got a nice long flat river like in Europe, I'll sell them down there. Consequently, two urban areas will grow up with connections um, and, and they'll have scientific connections and cultural and linguistic and political and you start growing. Somewhere else, and in very broad brush strokes, Africa was an example. Many parts of Africa, the rivers start really high and drop really quickly, which means loads of rapids and loads of waterfalls. So we stick your crops on your boat, you go a few miles down the road. Fact. Yeah. And that is one of the one of the reasons which has held that continent back. So yeah, I start from those principles, but what I do, and I think from that flows his, some of what happens in history. But I'm not saying that uh, you, you, it, it is completely dictated. What happens is completely dictated because you can bend these bars of the prison. Last example, before we can hopefully do a quiz, um, <laughs> Ethiopia. Uh, they had one of the, the Blue Nile, tumbles down very quickly. Great, lots of nice drinking water if you live near it. Bit of irrigation for, for the crops around it, but rubbish for trade and not, not very good for much else. But the 21st century technology bends the bars of that prison. They're building the Grand Renaissance Dam. They're damming the Blue Nile. The power from it, they say, will have free electricity to every single house in Ethiopia. And there's 110 million Ethiopians. It could, it could possibly transform their lives. Only bit of a negative thing about this is that down the Nile at the other end is Egypt. Yes, went down. <laughs> Egypt, yeah, Egypt, which is thinking, hang on a minute, they've got their hands on the tap now and they're very unhappy about it. So if Joe and I were setting up from scratch a new city, uh, we'll call it Marlania. Oh, I like that. We're setting up Marlania. What do we need around us if we're looking for a, a patch of land? We want, we want Marlania You've to You've got be... one, one guess. For the, for the thing that you can't really build it without. <laughs> <laughs> <Fuck>. <laughs> <laughs> glass. <laughs> no, no, I am holding up a glass. It was a... It was a sand. Uh, glass is often made from sand, yes. Water. There you go. There's not much point, is there, in, in starting your city? Because, you know, I'll wave a magic wand and you can have every... You can have a Starbucks, you can have pubs, you can have everything you want. But if there's no water, you're, you're going to go away very quickly. There's a chapter in Australia in this book. 27 million Australians. 85% of them live on that curve on the right-hand side of Australia as you look at the map, from Brisbane down to Melbourne, Canberra, Sydney, Adelaide. You know, that curve there. 85% of them live clinging to the coastline because that's where Australia's rivers are. Once you move more than about 100 miles inland, the other 2,900 miles, no water. Nobody lives there. So that's the first thing you're going to need. So we need water. Yeah, Marlania needs water. Marlania. What else does it Do need? Do we need like a permanent water? Yeah. What about rain? That would help. 
Yeah, so we'll make it rainy half the year. Is that right? Well, you're going to employ a rain dance person to. Hang on, we're fucking. Are we making it from scratch? Well, yeah. right. In that case, you better situate it in a place where there's rainfall as well. Yeah, so we're going to Amazon. You got some rain. You got some waterfall. This is good. You've got a river. That is also good. Unfortunately, the Amazon River has incredibly uh, muddy banks, and it's incredibly hard to build even little, tiny little ports on them. And it's not good for trading. Good for pigs, though. Yes, they like mud. Um, but you know, it's no, it's not a good place. Um, I tell you, where, where, it's a good where place. is the perfect? Where is the America? Per- that's the perfect place in the world. Yes. Out of everywhere we could choose. To have a country, yeah. To have Marlania. Yes. America. Yeah. Any specific area in America? Uh, no, coast to coast. But you're starting off on the east coast, which is pretty good. You've got some deep water ports. When you see on a map, a country's got a jagged coastline like we have, that usually means it's got deep water ports. Deep water ports mean really big ships. Really big ships mean ocean going. If you've got a very smooth coastline, you haven't got deep water ports, you can't get the big ships in so everyone ignores you. So there you are with your jagged coastline, east coast, beautiful fertile farmland in in the original colonies. Okay, it's a great start. Get over the Appalachian Mountains, what's in front of you? The Mississippi River Basin, the greatest farmland in the world. Beautiful. Plains, wheat, you name it. In the Mississippi River Basin, is more navigable waterway, inland waterway, than the rest of the world put together. What? At the end of this beautiful farmland and waterway is a fantastic port, New Orleans, and you can zip out from the Gulf of Mexico into the sea lanes of the world. Great, nearly there. Jump over the Rockies. Fantastic, there's another ocean. I can now project power in two directions. It's the the prime piece of real estate, and it's the only country in the world, if every single country in the world cut itself off immediately from every other country, it's the only one that could pretty much survive. It's got oil, it's got gas, it's got coal, Not you know, these are bad things, but they've got them. It's got the, enough food to feed its population. Is that why America, yes. like, they're, the, they're the greatest country in the world? That's one of the reasons. That's Astra- why they're so powerful? Yeah, there's a little bit more to it than that, um, but I mean, we, all right, let's go back to Australia. They've only grown a population of 27 million. The Americans have grown a population of 380 million. That's because there's lots of water and food in America. In Australia, there's hardly any water, and and therefore you're cramped in where you can live and grow your food. But you do have to then put onto it politics. In Latin America, completely different to America, the colonialists arrived, robbed it blind, went inland to get whatever gold, as much gold as they could eat, and then brought it straight back to the ports that they built and sent it back home. They didn't bother to connect those ports to each other in, uh, or to connect inland. And to this day, Latin America is held back by because they, they didn't build the infrastructure inland. Also, they imported the feudal system when they did start to settle it. So, you know, it is economics and politics as well as. That's what I mean. I'm not a determinist, but I do think that's my starting factor. But they seem to be very lucky in the sense that whoever discovered the greatest part of land or most habitable... What's the word? Hospitable. Hospitable. What's habitable? Habitable. Habitable? (laughs) (laughs) Stop trying to be like a twat and just... The best place to live, based on the environment. Yeah. Yeah, They're lucky. Surely they're lucky whoever discovered that. Yes. They were always going to be in a strong position, become a powerhouse of the world. Again, hang on, hang on. They didn't have to buy... The Louisiana Purchase, it's called. They got over the Appalachians, they thought, that's nice, the Mississippi area. But the French owned it at the time. 
They chose to buy it, and they were in a position to buy it. Alaska, it was called Seawood's Folly. They bought it off the Russians. How much? A dollar or something? Oh, well, more than that, but yeah, you know, dollar fifty. They bought it for a song and a dance off the Russians, and the Russians thought, we don't want this horrible, nasty, icy place. Yeah, you can have it. And and the the guy that did the deal was called Seawood, and it was known as Seawood's Folly until a few decades later... Oh, there's lots of oil there. <laughs> Fantastic. So, you know, it, it, it's not just the geography. It is then the political decisions, decisions that, that are made. made of it. Yeah. If we could do, if various countries, Joe and I will give you a country and you have to tell us what their best signing would be, what their best geographical signing Messy. would be. Messy every time, even at his age. Yeah. Um, so they can have, for example, they can have a, a river, they can have a, a deep water port, mm. they can have a mountain range, they can have other geographical things that would most improve them as a country. Joe, name a country. Any country. <laughs> Burkina Faso. No. Still don't believe that. <laughs> haven't looked it up yet. Uh, Zambia. Oh, God. Well, it's landlocked. So, um, uh, okay, what what do I need? It's got a very good river already. Hold on. Uh, it doesn't really need mountains. What does it need? Oil. That's not a good thing. Um, Zambia, well, Zambia's... I wish you'd chosen someone else because Zambia's doing all right. Oh, fucking hell. Um, so we don't need Zambia. Okay. Um, Turkey. T- t- Turkey. Turkey, yeah. Yeah. Uh, a big... And at this point, I'm relaxed enough to say, a big fuck-off deep water port. Really? (laughs) The bottom coastline of Turkey, the big, big, long, yeah, they don't have a big deep water port, and they would have loved to have had one. Next country, Joe. No, I thought it was a back and forth, mate. You want one from me? Yeah, you... you, I need a bit longer. (laughs) France. Oh, they're they're sitting pretty. They're They're in a good place. They've got long, flat rivers... They've got mountains. Uh, they've got a coastline, deep water ports. Again, you know, there's a reason why France became such a powerful country. Britain is, is, is very similar. I'll tell you what would have been useful to them. A big mountain range where the Rhine is. So the Germans couldn't keep exactly. marching Exactly. That would have been very, very useful. Get your tanks across that. Yeah. Well, here's one, Joe. What about China? Um, what was that noise, Joe? <laughs> <laughs> Do they need anything? They've got loads of people. Well, They've got that wall. The wall? Uh, they've technologies fucking through the roof. What else do they need? Um, they have pretty much, over the years, got what they need. What they didn't have to begin with was uh, any defences. What we think of as China, um, you could think of as the Han Empire. About 85 to 90% of Chinese people are ethnically Han Chinese. They're not Uyghur Muslims who are Turkic people in, in, in Xinjiang province. They're not Tibetans. They're not even Manchurians. They're Han. And they come from the Han heartland, bang in the centre where the two rivers are. And people kept having a pop at them, whether it was the Mongols or the Manchurians or whoever. So they took Manchuria, settled it. They took Inner Mongolia, settled it. They took Xinjiang province where the Turkic speaking peoples are. 50% of them are now Han. They took Tibet. 50% of people in Tibet are now Han. So they've got this, they've wrapped this core around them to protect them, the Han heartland. So they're sorted that way. The, uh, the problem was always the uh, coastline. That's where the evil colonialists went and got them, which is why they're now pushing out from the coastline. They're building shorter ship missile systems, building a blue water navy. Um, what do they need? 
they do need more rivers because they've completely polluted the ones that they've... The Yellow River is now yellow, actually yeah. yellow, isn't it? And runs dry in bits and pieces. It, it, they need more rivers. Um, what have they polluted it with? Their incredible industrial economic miracle of the last 50 years, where they have lifted 400 million people out of poverty, given them middle-class lifestyles that we would recognise. But it's, it's, that's an interesting aside. We do think of China now as this rich country... It is worth remembering, and 400 million people are not to be sneezed at because that would be rude, and which is the size of you know, the European population. It's a lot. It's a big market. But don't forget, there is 800 million people in living in what we would regard as abject poverty still. You know, they do have a long way to go. Joe, do you like a map? You're a fan of a map? Love a map. What's your favourite map? Just the the map, the map of the world. A world. Oh. What would you mean? There's different types of maps. Well, you might like a map of East Sussex. No, 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 no. I like a like the map. For ages, we were looking for this fucking giant map that yeah. would fill our whole kitchen wall, and we couldn't. We were looking everywhere, and then we found some wallpaper. I was like, mate, I'm never going to put that straight. I, c- I can't do that. But then we finally found one that was pretty big enough because we wanted to put all these little pins on of the different places to thing and put That's it in the cool. kitchen. Kids love a, that. Yeah, and it's a nice like talking point for if we ever had people over. We don't have people over, so it's wasted. But <laughs> I do love a map seeing What's where in the everything middle of it? is. Because I'm just writing about this at the moment. What's in the middle of the map? Which countries? The light switch. What do you mean? It's in the wall, <laughs> isn't it? The reason I asked about where it is in the map, I'm sorry to have begun to dominate. Um, <laughs> Is that, is that, <laughs> that happened from yeah, minute one? Yeah. There's something called the Mercator map. It's the classic map that we all grew up with. And bang in the middle of it is plucky little Britain. Yes, and, it and is. Yes. Right. Yes. Well, this goes back to where we started. There is no middle. It's, a, it's round. So why have we chosen to put on, that? You sh- you're 100% sure of that, eh? Yes. That it's round. I, flying back from California once, I saw the curve of the earth. H- how? We were that high. We were that high. You so that you're, I'm so absolutely convinced. Of it, you're yes. convinced. You're 100 percent certain. Yeah, the other reason the is that somebody is set off on a boat and they went in one direction and they kept going and they came and they came back. Unless oh, I wasn't there, but I'm convinced. It, the point being yeah. that that map that we all know and love, the reason that Britain and Europe is there in the middle is that they were the ones who first circumnavigated it, and that's their our our mindset. Sorry, what I've just been writing about recently is that even though there is no real centre of, of a globe on the outside it, we would be better off when we print these maps now to actually put the Indo-Pacific bang in the centre because that is the new centre of the world in political and geograph- uh, geopolitical terms The only trouble with that is and I, I think your logic is actually spot on is the Pacific is absolutely fucking <laughs> massive and there's nothing going on whereas the Atlantic you can look at it and it's manageable if you stick the Pacific in the middle you know, like when you take a photo, Joe, let's say you were taking a photo of three people, you would want, or two people, you'd want them in, sort of in the middle of the picture, wouldn't you? You wouldn't want one on one side of the picture and one on the other. That's my fear, Tim. If you stick the Pacific in the middle, you've very badly composed a picture well, of the world. Well, two things. One, you do have India and China. Excuse me, yeah. And <laughs> beneath that, Indonesia, the, beneath that, Australia. And you can fit in... Uh, Basically, you can still fit in the whole world. It gives you a better 
understanding of how big those oceans are, but also the real point, in your head, you get used to the idea that this is the new real centre yeah. of the world. This is where the action is. This is why the British aircraft carrier is down there at the moment. And it just gets you more prepared for, for that. I understand what you're saying, Tom. You know, that it would be vast amounts of nothing. But that's only we, we're only confused by that because we're so used to yeah. this picture and this version of seeing all the countries in that position. That, but if, if you're Fijian started, or if you're Samoan... Yeah, then it makes a lot more sense. No, if you, if you really want no, to know, no, they brain. still look at this map, the normal one as well. Yeah, so th- yeah most of them do. Most most of the rest of the world also uses this Mercator map. I show it to schools sometimes to school kids. Say, right, is there anything wrong with this map? And of course they, it's upside down. Say, no, it's not. You know, you, you got a straight. Everything is the other, but it's not upside down, is it? Because. It's just, it's in our heads that it's upside down. It's not actually upside down. That is also what the world looks like. It's just a case of how you look at it. And, you know, like I said, I'm a nerd, and that's why I uh, get excited by these things. Okay, you just turn your laptop upside yeah. down, Joe. How does it look? Best or worse? Do you prefer it upside down? Not upside down. It's weird, down. though, isn't it? It's weird. It is weird, but yeah. I actually like it. Let's have a look. you got Australia top left. Exactly, yeah. And then top right, like it completely changes your concept. Yeah. Well, you, couldn't, you couldn't call of countries you would say a less a, like. Do you know what I mean? Well, like, you couldn't say Australia's down under. It had to be up. So just on that Mercator projection, it's called, isn't it? Yeah. The, what we consider, Joe, the classic map of the world. So it's not accurate because we've had to flatten something yes. which is curved. Who are the winners and who are the losers? from that on who, the classic- looks, who looks bigger than they actually oh, are well, and who looks smaller well firstly we look as if we're in the centre of the world Europe but the, the biggest uh, loser is Africa because in the classic map if you look at Greenland up at the top and then you look at Africa they're not that dissimilar in size Greenland looks massive well, well Africa is about 10 to 11 maybe 12 times bigger than Greenland but on this flat map that they've flattened in order to get everything in. Greenland looks nearly as big as Africa, and it's nowhere near. And Western Europe, again, conceptually, with, oh, yeah, look at big old Western Europe. Kazakhstan alone, one country, is bigger than the whole of all the Western European countries. Yeah. Joe, your mind's been blown, isn't it? Mainly, but it takes me back to when Borat came out. <laughs> and it's very nice. Kaz- Kazakhstan <laughs> is a legit country. Yeah. I didn't know that, and then to then... Well, I, as in, I, I didn't know that. It wasn't until now I knew that. I did know, I found that out after Borat. But I am just finding out that Kazakhstan is bigger than the whole... The whole of, of Western, all the, the Western European countries put together. And you mental. know what Stan means? And yet Kazakhstan, why is Kazakhstan not known as a powerhouse in the world? Because nobody lives there. Have they got oil? Yeah, they have, but they've got a t- relatively small population. And they're, they're also stuck in the middle of Central Asia, mm. which is, once the Silk Road sort of fell out of fashion you know you're kind of off the you're off the route you're not you're not getting all those ideas but stand as you asked me means land and so you have the Kazakhstan the, the land of the Kazakhs the Tajiks the land of the Tajiks Afghans land of the so maybe it'll be so, Malastan then Malastan yeah, land of the Malania yeah. Tom I, I in fact I know for a fact that your mind is still fully intact because you've still got that smug little <laughs> tight smile on your face uh, but mine is still is is here there and everywhere it's like a geography lesson history lesson life lesson accelerated by a thousand just 
thrown at me a million miles an hour. Um, I'm going to plug your your book, your new book out again, which is The Power of Geography. You did it like did it before. The Power of Geography. Too fucking loud. The Power... The Power... No. What's that song? The Power of Love. Power of Love. How does it go? The Power... Well, you've got three versions in the charts at the same time. You had the Huey Lewis. That's the power of love. You had Jennifer Rush. The power of love. And then you had Frankie Goes to Hollywood. Go on, the power one? of love. No, okay. The power. The power of geography. Thank you, Tim. <laughs> Fucking hell! To say thanks as well. You're so rude. I'm sorry. The only podcast where seven, eight, nine-second silences are a good thing and allowed. Yeah. Well done. Yeah, it's absolutely fine. Yeah, it's not fine for the listeners because they find them very awkward because <laughs> Lou forgets to take them out. <laughs> But it's absolutely. Thank that, you, guys. That was oh, it was Tim. fun. Wasn't it? I mean, it was, was fun. Great, Thank you for um, putting up with me. And, no, know, that was thanks for coming on. Congratulations on the books. Yeah, thanks. Did you enjoy Tim as a guest, Joe? Because I think we did. But there was a few points where I gave you a look and you gave me a look, and I wasn't quite sure what your look meant. And then maybe that worried me that my look wasn't the look that you were giving me, and that I was giving you the wrong look. I, why are you doing that? that? I've just had that done to me for the last hour or so, and now you continue. This was meant to be a debrief and a nice casual one where my mind has recuperated. Um, fuck. In answer to your question that I think you asked, yes, I loved it. I liked Tim a lot, and his knowledge is far superior to mine when it comes to geography and historical facts. I think I'd be him on the knowledge of turfing, for example. Yeah. But there wasn't an opportunity for me to, you know, go back and fault? forth. Should I have opened up the turf angle? Yeah. In future, if we have a guess at that, can you give me some sort of signal? Yeah. A hand gesture. What's it going to be for tur- bring up the turfing chat? Um, a crooked middle finger. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> it was really good. I enjoyed that one. Well, if you enjoyed it and you want to support the show, search for Joe Marler Show on Patreon. And if you'd like another podcast to listen to, why not try the Geraint Thomas Cycling Club? Now, Geraint is trying to build the world's biggest cycling club from scratch. Along the way, he's chatting to people like Sir Chris Hoy, Sir Bradley Wiggins, and it's back for a new season. You can learn all the secrets from the Pro Tour and be part of the world's biggest cycling club. Just search for Garrett Thomas Cycling Club in all your usual podcast places. Wonderful, Tom. Thank you. Goodbye to all the listeners that have listened in and tuned in and in. in. Welcome to the inn. No room at the inn. In. End. See you next time. Crowd Network, a place where you belong. Sports Social Podcast Network.